let's dive in. We, uh, we are in Advent, um, and there are four words that are typically associated with Advent. Last week, we talked about love. We kind of, there's kind of an order. We're kind of just breaking that up a little bit. But today, we're talking about peace and then hope and joy. And today is about peace. And just by the like, temperature of the room, when Susan was talking about finals, um, some of us are talking about like, how much we get paid. You know, like, That's kind of a stressful conversation. I, it seems like peace is kind of elusive right now. Being able to, have it, has it, anybody really gone to bed like super tired, got a good like eight, maybe longer amount of sleep, eight hours of sleep, and you wake up and you're just as tired as when you went to bed? I think that the, the peace that we look for is so elusive. It's, it's, it's hard to see in our world. It's hard to see in our culture. It's hard to see in our lives. And one of the things that's, that's helpful for us as people, when we feel restless, there's lo- often there's triggers. We'll talk about that in a little bit, about why it is that we get like, anxious. Why do we get like, kind of crazy? But one of the questions that was spoken to me and asked of me that I think is helpful is to ask the question, when is the first time that you felt like your peace was robbed from you? When was that first moment when you were like, whoa, like the world is not safe? If you have a Bible, I want you to turn back. The way that we're going to tackle this is we're going to look at several scriptures today that involve peace. And we're going to go all the way back to where I believe that humanity lost the peace of God that was really intended for them and for us. And so uh, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 3, classic chapter of scripture. And we're going to pray, and then we're going to read through this passage and start talking about where and how do we figure out this thing called peace. Heavenly Father... You are a good God, and Lord, sometimes our experience challenges our thinking on that, but Lord, we want to have the conviction today that the peace of God is something that not only that you want us to have, but that you give, and not only that you give, but Lord, that we have been called to, that we have been called to be people of peace, and in a world where there doesn't seem to be peace anywhere, Lord, I pray that we would stand out because we're able to somehow tap into the peace that passes understanding. So Holy Spirit, teach us in your word right now as we just kind of look at several different passages. Lord, you can weave these together in a way that really change us and allow us to walk out of here different than when we walked in. So we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Genesis 3, starting in this passage in about um, the, the time when... Adam and Eve have disobeyed God, and God now is on the scene, and then he speaks to the serpent, and he says this. He says, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. So this is why most women don't like snakes, right? This is not what that passage is about. I mean, any women here that just love snakes? Like, yeah, see, there you go. That's why that's not what this is about. But it says here that this enmity would be be put between the serpent and the woman. 
And, and we can kind of look at this and say, oh, well, that just means like, you know, Eve and the serpent just had, you know, like a feud. But if we understand what enmity means, the definition of enmity looks like this. It's a feeling or condition of hostility, hatred, ill will, animosity, and antagonism. Enmity is not a good thing. And when God says he's going to put that between the, the, the snake and Eve, we can often think that this is then be, this is just a thing for that time. Like, this is just something that, well, okay, that's, that's, that's all right, that's true, or that is a thing for that time in, in Genesis 3. But what I want us to do is I want us to look at another scripture that helps us understand this enemy of our peace. You see, what, what we know is that in the garden, there was peace. There, it was perfect. It was exactly how God intended it. And there we see that, the, that the serpent and Eve have some sort of hostility that is replaced. So if you look and turn to Matthew chapter 13, I want you to look at this, this parable that Jesus spoke of. And, and when he explains it, uh, it helps us understand this enemy. He says this, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy, everyone say enemy. His enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and he went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? And the story goes, the enemy did this. An enemy did this. There is an enemy that is sowing weeds in our life. Now, Jesus, just a couple of verses later, will explain this to the disciples. And when he does, he says that the good seed are the people of God. And the weeds are the people who the evil one sends into the world. It's the, the people, how many of you know that like a lot of times, most of the time, maybe all of the time, when we lose our peace, it's because of other people. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to admit it, do you? But I mean, you think about it, like everything comes back around to you, the fact that somebody didn't do something for you the way you wanted them to, or something didn't go the way you wanted because somebody kind of messed it up, or something isn't exactly the way it should be because of something somebody did or didn't do. And so our peace many times is robbed by what other people say and do to us and sometimes how we respond to that. And so the enemy isn't just between Eve and the serpent. The enemy is the enemy of our soul. And when we think about this, what, what can happen, I, I don't know where you're at. Like, when you go home today, maybe you're not, you wouldn't say like, man, I'm going to go home and my house is going to be hostile. Like it's ho there's hostility there. Maybe that's not, that's a little stronger. Maybe it's going to be antagonistic. Or there's going to be hatred at home. Oh, like this is what it is. I don't know if that's where you're at. Maybe you are. But I think that the, the word that I feel that really is, I think the enemy is much more, uh, he's much more sneaky and insidious than just being like, well, you know what, I'm just going to create a bunch of hostility, a bunch of hatred at home, and then it's going to be obvious that I'm in the middle of it all. I think that he does it much more undercover. And the word that I feel like robs our peace most times is this word, that we are restless. That there's something inside of us that is restless. 
It's why you can go to bed at night and you can wake up eight or ten hours later and wake up feeling the same way than when you went to sleep because you're restless. Because you have a big test to take. And you didn't take it while you were sleeping, unfortunately, right? Or maybe there's something big going on at work and you're just worried about that. Or there's a family situation. There's a diagnosis that wasn't favorable. And there's a restlessness. Has anybody been there? And I think that that is what we, maybe most of us, more of us, experience. Because the enemy, yes, he blows up families and he definitely has hostility as a thing. And then people that will just kind of feed into that and that's a, that's a horrible situation. But I think what's more evil, I think, is when the enemy can come in and can simply make you restless enough not to trust God. Restless enough to think that you're okay because you, you, you shot a quick prayer in the morning when you got up, but you still go through your day and you're restless. You're restless and you can't figure out why. You say, well, Joe, well, you know, I'm praying. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to do. Great, you're doing the things that you're supposed to do, but what happens when you realize that it's not about what you're doing that's going to create that peace? It's about who you are and how you're living that's going to allow that peace to become a thing. Um, I want us to, to kind of uh, zoom over to another passage, which is in Ephesians. We just read this not so long ago. Um, we read this uh, just a couple weeks ago, I believe. And when we did, um, this is the passage that's all about uh, the armor of God. And so the armor of God is described here in, in Ephesians 6, and it kind of gets to the point where we understand what peace can do for us when we're feeling restless. It says this, stand firm then with the belt. Now time out. Are you able to stand firm just because you're wearing a belt? I mean, we appreciate you keeping your pants up, but that's not what that's about. It's not about standing firm. The belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. That's good too, but that's not necessarily causing you to stand firm. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of what? Peace. So when you go into a situation and you have a lot of craziness around you, there's somehow some way that you're able to, you're able to stand firm. And part of that is knowing that you have a shield and you have a breastplate, you have the, you have the belt on, you have, all, you have a sword. All that is helping you say, I can stand firm. But what's helping your feet be grounded is when you have peace. One of the hardest things to do when you have chosen to put Jesus first in your life, and I think some of you are going to start nodding here in a second, is like you know that you and Jesus, you're trying to do this thing. But it's so hard to know when you have a big decision to make what it is that God wants you to do. You're like, man, God, there's so many cool opportunities. Or there's this one opportunity, should I do it? One, not, all, not, not the only, but one of the things that is very helpful to you and to me as the people of God when you're trying to make a big decision is whether or not you have peace. And it's wrapped in other things as well, you know, scripture and wise counsel and circumstances, all of those things God can use to speak to you. But one of those things that has to be considered is peace. And if you don't have peace about something, how many of you have made decisions when you didn't have peace and it didn't go well? 
And you're like, man, was that the Holy Spirit? You know what? That's what the peace can do. Now, I'm going to try to help us understand this just a little bit. I don't know if you can swipe over it. There you go. So we're going to start with our heart. It's pretty shabby, but we'll, we'll go with it. And there's, in the world, there is all kinds of stuff that's happening around us. There's these hostile things. There's the enemy. Um, I feel like sometimes my life is very chaotic. Um, there's division. Um, and there's just enmity. And there is something about the peace of God that Ephesians 6 says that we're able to somehow stand in a battle with all of this stuff happening around us and to have peace. I think to, in order to uh, understand a little bit is you got to understand that there's some things, there's some dangers that can happen. We're sitting here in this world and one of the dangers that we can have is that we can simply accept the fact that we live in a hostile world. We live in a world where I am just restless. That is just like how God wired me. I'm a worrier. I just, I'm restless all the time. That's just me. Or my family's a mess and it's always going to be dysfunctional and there's never going to be any peace. That is just not a thing. That's a danger. Because the Word of God speaks differently to you. The Word of God says that the peace of God is something that we can somehow have a part of us. That we actually have even been called to peace. So that, I don't think, is a good thing to believe. The other thing is to then maybe not only just not accept it, but maybe just question whether or not it's really a thing for us. Because of the circumstances around what's happening, because of what's happening in our lives, we begin to question, well, is the peace of God really a thing? Is God really good? Does he really love me? Does he really feel that I'm worth, after all I've done, that I'm worth having his peace? And those things kind of like infiltrate all kinds of parts of our lives when we believe the fact that, that this is just how it's going to be and nothing can ever change. And when we, when we are questioning who God is, then our relationships with others begin to break down because there's no peace. And I think that our relationship even with ourselves, the way that we speak to ourselves in our minds, the way that we think about ourselves, our identity, when we think about the fact that we, are, we just stir the pot and we cause trouble, I spoke to someone a couple months ago about that. Like, that's, that, that was, her, that was her, her attitude towards her, is that, you know what, I just feel like what I do, I constantly stir up trouble. And if that's what we believe, then the peace of God is going to be very elusive. And not only that, I think it comes back down to this. It comes back down to our relationship with, the, with God, with the Lord. It's because when we don't feel that we're at peace with God, then we don't necessarily feel like there can be peace with others or peace inside. And so I think that the key is to understand that we have to know that there's got to be some sort of connection between the Lord and us that allows the peace of God to be a thing in our life, that we can actually go into a hostile environment, we can go into a big test, we can go into um, a workplace that's not healthy, and we can somehow have the peace of God. Because I would argue that if that isn't a thing, if we can't do that, then why is it a thing in the first place? Why does, that, why does Scripture promise it? Why does God say it can be ours? So if we look a little bit further in the New Testament, if you're following along, and we go to Philippians 4, we start to see something. And 
Let's read it, and then, I, and, then, and then we'll talk about how this can be misunderstood. First off, rejoice in the Lord always. And since you don't really, you didn't get it the first time, I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Because you all don't rejoice enough. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Just left this one up there for you just so, you know, we could kind of like ponder it for a second. Do not be anxious about anything. How's that going? How many just would love to punch Paul right now, right? Like, seriously, man, like, don't be anxious about anything. Have you lived my life a little bit? Come on. But that's what it says. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So you're taking the rejoicing, you're taking the gratitude, you're taking the anxiety, you're taking all the requests, and you're presenting them to God, and you're petitioning him. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, here's how this can be misunderstood. All right, I now, how many of you guys, if you're into, like, logic, I have an if-then statement that's just been presented. If I rejoice, if I'm not anxious, if I'm thankful, and if I pray, I get the peace of God. Now, there's truth to that. But the misunderstanding, I think, is that what Paul is talking about is not a formula. It's not about doing. It's about being. So when you think about these things, rejoicing and being thankful and not being anxious, and you're like, man, I'm really restless and I need the peace of God right now. Joe said, go back to Philippians 4 and I need to check these boxes and then the peace of God's going to come. What I would tell you is, how about if you try to do that for a year? And then see how peaceful you are at the end of that. I don't know that God's up there with a magic wand waiting you to get the formula right so he can bonk you on the head and give you peace. I don't think that's, that's what he's doing. I think what he's doing is he's calling people to be someone different than who they are and who they think they are and who the enemy has said they are and who people have spoken words and, and, and thoughts into their minds to think that that's who they are and that is not who we are. And so we go back to this diagram and we see that there's hostility and there's chaos and there's enmity and there's division, but there's something that can happen that Philippians 4 tells us is that somehow the peace of God will guard your heart. So if it's not about the formula and it's not about, about trying to check all the boxes, then what is it about? It's about this. It's about the fact that you're trying to establish a different way of living. And when you over time, begin to establish that different way of living, what will happen is the peace of God will begin to guard your hearts and your minds. So this is why this is no one saying amen right now. It's because this is hard, right? 
Um, the benefit of having Saturday night service at 5 is that afterwards we can talk about the message and I can give you some thoughts about that. So last night afterwards I was talking to some folks and one of the things that was said is that, man, like Philippians 4, yeah, get it, but it is so hard to actually do it. Like to really in the midst of sitting in a hospital room or sitting with a person who's arguing and yelling at you to somehow have the peace and to have that that standing firm be a thing. But I want you to, the, the belief there that we can sometimes believe is this, is that our lives can't change. And if I were to tell you anything today is this, your life can change. Whatever See, circumstances are going to change, right? Whatever circumstances you find yourself in, whatever challenge you find yourself in, I'm going to tell you that your life can change. A great definition of despair is this. Despair is the strongly held belief, the conviction that tomorrow is going to be the same as today. And what I'm telling you is that your tomorrow doesn't have to look like today with Jesus. This is why... Jesus coming in that way to us on earth during this Advent season, and we think about what is Christmas all about. He came so that we could have peace. And not not a peace that's out here. It's a peace that's inside, that somehow allows you to stand firm, that somehow allows you to go into those difficult situations and be guarded. So this is what I would ask you, and um, the band can come up. What if, what if this Christmas, like this next few weeks, we were to change, you can leave that up there, Amy. What if we were to change a routine? Like in an effort to begin to try to live differently. So, so many of us, are, we show up, we, we show up on Sunday or Saturday night, and we just have like, okay, like we went to church, cool, we're back at it. We set up a quick little prayer when we wake up in the morning. We get on with our day. Something happens like, God, what are you doing? I'm doing all the things I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to church. I'm praying in the morning. But I'm talking about a lifestyle, that a lifestyle of gratitude is developed, a lifestyle of being of being joyful about what's happening in our lives, even though there might be very little to point to, but we're able to have that attitude to somehow ratchet down the anxiety and to be mindful that when we're praying that maybe what we have, maybe we need to talk to somebody. Maybe we need to get to a doctor. Maybe we need to get to a therapist or a counselor and we need to find a way to unpack what's in our lives to be able to understand that God is using people and circumstances and all these things to help us see what he's wanting us to do is to see that our lives can change. The way, this is like, it's not on the screen, but this is like such a no-brainer. The way that your life changes is when you start living differently. Freebie, all right? Y'all already knew that. Y'all knew that. The way that your life changes is when you start to live differently. And so, what if this week you sat down tomorrow morning? By the way, do these in the morning. Don't wait until your brain is fried at the end of the day and you have all this stuff that's piled up in your mind. Do it in the morning because the first 45 minutes of your day changes what happens in your day. It changes what you are able to do, how your attitude is. It changes it. 
And so I'm going to challenge you. I used to say do it whenever you want, but I'm going to challenge you like to change the way your routine and say, I'm going to do this in the morning. It may mean that I have to get up earlier, but what if you were to make a list of what you are rejoicing about? Now that list might be really short. And then you wrote out Ephesians 6, 14 and 15. What if then the next day you were to make a list of what's making you anxious? Like, like interact with that emotion, interact with what's going on and write those things down and then write out Philippians 4, 4 through 7. What if on the next day you were to make a list of what you're thankful for and then you wrote out Colossians 3, 15? What if on the fourth day that you were able to pray through your lists from day one through three and you were to write out Matthew 5, 9? What if you were to do that? Here's what I will tell you. You will begin the process of rewiring your life to look different than it does right now. I wish that I had like a magic way to just allow your life to change. But the only one that's standing in between you and the life you want is you. And you, can ha you have so much agency that you don't even realize to be able to see yourself begin to live differently. And when you begin to live that way and you become you become who God has called you to be, all of a sudden, the peace of God is going to be there. And it may not be there. You may not necessarily sense a difference right away, but there's going to be something that people say, you know what, how in the world are you handling this situation with like such peace? May, may someone say that to you one day. Why don't we stand? And as we sing, I'm, I want you to wrestle with where you're at with this. And to ask God to help you with that, the peace factor in your life. I'll be over on this side and, you know, if there are some weeds in your life, there are some voices, there are some people, there are some things in your life that are causing you anxiety, that are causing you to lose your peace and to be restless, then I'll be there to pray. I believe Sarah is here too. And we can pray with you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, God, for your word. Lord, we, we want the peace that you promised. We want this peace that you came to earth to give. And Lord, we just ask right now that as we sing, as we, we lift your name up and we sing about the peace that you give and you, you, Lord, that you will speak to our hearts and that we will somehow find a way to take a, a step in your direction, a step towards becoming the person that you have called us to be. Lord, I pray for the, the people that have listened to voices and that have allowed for thoughts and, and all these different expectations and pressure to be put on them. And that, Lord, as we are, are clear about the fact that that person isn't the person that you have called, what you have called is someone who has been fearfully and wonderfully made someone who you have called to be a peacemaker, someone that you have called and you have said, I will give you peace. Help us to tap into that today. Whew. Feels like that one resonated with a lot of us today. That peace, that peace that passes all understanding. I think we have a Colossians verse here. Um, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body, you were called to peace. 
I don't know what it looks like for you to let peace rule in your heart. But that's what we've been called to. And when I read that, what I, I, what I see is that as members of one body, if we're called to peace, we're a picture of that to those around us. So our lives don't really look different from anyone else's. I mean, I got stuff I got to walk through every day. The circumstances aren't different for any of us. What's different is that we allow the peace of Christ to rule. So it's what's leading. It's what's going before us. Oh, I won't knock off the candles. All right. We won't walk there. We're going to walk in that peace this week. Um, a little vulnerability here. Um, the, when we went through some counseling and um, we've talked through, he asked us to sit in some things that weren't great, that weren't comfortable. Um, you know, to like look at your life and go, all right, why did that happen? And sometimes when we live in that, we can point our finger at God and say, where were you? Where were you? Why did you let that happen? We kind of talked through some of that. And he said, now I want you to stop a minute. And I want you to tell me where Jesus is. Where is he in that room with you? Where, where is he when you were outside? For me, it was under a tree. Where was Jesus? I thought, he was. He was right there. And he was looking me in the eyes and he said, it's okay. What's going on is not okay, but I am here. That's what peace is. That's what the peace is. It's not that the bad stuff is going to stop. Life happens. But the peace is that Jesus is right there and he's saying, look at me. Look at me. I've got you. And I love you. I've got you. And some of you need to know that today. That peace is him looking you in the eye saying, I got you. I got you. Don't look here. Don't look here. Look me in the eye. Walk this out with me. Walk with me. And when the peace of Christ rules, we lead in that peace. And people can't help but see and know that he's with us. Father, as we leave this place, we give you permission to come in and rule. We know it's not going to be an easy walk. We know that there's going to be things in our path that stumble us and try to take us out. But you're saying, keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. I'm right here. I'm cheering you on. You've got this. And as we follow you and we let your peace rule, people can't help but be drawn to the truth of who you are and that you've come to set us all free. We thank you for coming to this earth as a baby. We thank you for coming and living out a life that was blameless so that we have the privilege of peace. We give you this week and we invite you in to rule and reign. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful week. I'm sure there's probably announcements I need to say, but I have no idea. So talk to each other, love each other. 
Be peace this week.